This is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Welcome to the Homeschooling with Technology show. Your host, Meryl Vandermerva, loves using technology to streamline her life and to make lessons more engaging. She is a graduated homeschool mom and teaches homeschoolers at her local co-op classes and online at fundafundaacademy.com. Whether you are tech-challenged or someone who loves technology, this show is for you. And here's your host, Meryl Vandermerva. Hello, and welcome to the Homeschooling with Technology podcast. This is your host, Meryl van der Merwe, and today in episode 202, we're going to be talking about digital milestones for kids. Now, our um, guest today is Lisa Honnold, and she has been on the podcast before. It was back in episode 128, and she came and spoke to us about, is it okay um, for my child to play this Apple game? And she went through different ideas on whether it would be safe or not. And if you haven't already listened to that episode, do go back and find it. I'm going to link to the episode in the show notes, or you can just go find it on your podcast player. Everything that we mentioned today will be linked in the show notes. So first of all, welcome, Lisa. Thank you, Meryl. I'm so excited. 202 episodes you've got under your belt. Congratulations. Thank you. I know it's been a lot. Um, So for those of you who didn't listen to Lisa the first time, she is an expert in this area. Um, She's a national speaker uh, on intentional relationships in the family, looking at protecting kids online, um, how to parent your kids through this time period, and looking at cyber safety lessons, um, all the things that you probably are wondering about and aren't so sure you want to protect your kids, how to do it well. Um, and but at the same time, you obviously want to keep your kids having a healthy tech relationship with tech. And Lisa knows how to do all those things. She is also the parent of children. So she's not just one of these experts that are talking about something she doesn't know. And her three children all love tech. So she has been in the trenches with all of us. Uh, she has a podcast called Unplug and Plug In. I have listened to it. I listened to in fact the one you did with your daughter or you're one of your daughters. And uh, it's something that you want to go and listen to those episodes which gives more info and then go and look for her online at centerforonlinesafety.com and in fact it was an article there that uh, I either saw you link to on I think you probably asked, I probably saw it on um, Facebook or I stumbled upon it um, I might get notifications of your of your articles I can't remember but I saw this article and I was like this is what we need so the whole concept of digital milestones. What should your kid be doing with tech at which age? Lisa has the answers. <laughs> and so I'm going to pretty much be quiet and let Lisa take this away and start from when there are babies until when they get to be teens and just briefly go through what you should do at each stage. She has, as I said, there is a... Um, an accompanying blog post that she has written on her website. And I will link to that in the show notes. So that is the easiest way for you to go and look at this info afterwards if you've forgotten. So thanks, Lisa. Over to you. Thank you for the kind introduction, Meryl. One more thing I should say, I have been a homeschooling parent for nine years and really enjoyed that period of time. Now my kids are older and they're in public school and even college. So there's that too. Uh, What I do is help parents um, introduce technology intentionally, keeping their relationship good. They they, um, introduce technology slowly with thought and preparation. And if you're listening, saying I have a 13-year-old who's already on social media and they're already doing everything and they have no rules and limits, it's not too late. Keep listening. 
Um, as a general overview, I want to say there is a, an accompanying article called The Five Circles of Safety that we can link to also that gives five actions that parents can, can do to keep kids safe over time online. And uh, there are things like filtering the internet and monitoring what's happening. And we're going to be talking about a lot of that today, starting with the babies. Let's start with the babies, right? What should they have access to online? The answer from the American Academy of Pediatrics is nothing. <laughs> uh, completely agree with that. Don't give them devices at this age. Sometimes I hear from parents of babies and toddlers, and they are already thinking about their kids being behind in technology. Don't worry about this. They have plenty of time to play with technology and it is so intuitive. It comes naturally to kids. Don't worry about it. The one exception to that is if they have relatives far away, you can video chat with the relatives, FaceTime with the relatives. That is appropriate. Anything else, delay, wait on that. The other thing that you can do as a parent of littles is start narrating everything that you're doing on your phone so that they know it's not all fun and games on there that I'm going to pick up the phone and call for a play date. I'm going to pick up the phone and, and call for pizza. Whatever you're doing, let them know that it's a tool that you use and then you put down and put away. So it's a time to be a role model as well. Moving on to toddlers two and beyond up to about age four, they start to want to look in on your screen more. You might even give them your phone as you're going through Costco as fast as you can because they need something to do, right? There are times where I get it. We need to have a little distraction for our kids. Now is the time to set up your first internet filter and you should include your own phone in that since your child might have access to it. The other thing you can do at this age is put a password on your phone so that they can't just grab it and run away and get into anything that they want. Having a password on your phone lets them know there are times and places that it's appropriate. And other than that, you can't access anything. Um, if you're going to allow YouTube access, so access to, to videos that are age appropriate, uh, be sure and set up a YouTube for kids account versus a general YouTube account, just because uh, even though you have them set up for an age appropriate cartoon or educational something, the next video that comes up doesn't necessarily reflect your views and values, and it could very well be inappropriate, and you don't want to have that conversation with little kids. Any, any comments on that so far, Meryl? No, um, I do have an, an episode on YouTube, which also talks about how you can like, get rid of um, the ads and things. I do go through some of those uh, resources um, in one of my previous episodes, which I might think of linking to it. Just looking at even as they're getting older, um, how you can actually filter out some of the, because as you say, a lot of problems with YouTube isn't the actual video the kid's watching. It's what's coming next, what's on the sidebars, you know, those kinds of things. And there are ways around that. You're right. The ads are another problem mm. area. And I'm so glad you already have an episode covering that. Uh, so then moving to the next age group, the preschool four to six to seven year olds, uh, they're going to start to want their own device, a tablet, something that they can do on their own. You want to have a, a community norm, a family norm of 
doing screens together. You're sitting together, you're sitting at the table, you're sitting on the couch, you're doing screens together. You might be on yours, they might be on theirs, but it's a family activity. It's something that uh, you can set up the norms so that they know this is something we do as a family. I don't need to go hide in my room. This is an activity here out in the open areas. When you go to charge the device, it also charges in open space. It doesn't go into the bedroom overnight or uh, really sit in the bedroom at all. It is for the open community areas of the house. And the earlier you set that up, the easier it is later to enforce when they have their own phones. Phones also get charged mm -hmm. in a common space. They don't go in the bedroom overnight. That's just uh, asking for trouble. Honestly, it's asking for trouble. So back to the four-year-olds, uh, help them set up their first device. You're going to, to put filters on it. Um, talk to them about what your values are. Uh, in our family, one hour of screen time is appropriate after you do your chores and we do some homework and, you know, you can set up your own family norms on what's appropriate. Uh, let's see. The other thing to start conversation on at this age is, uh, you know, what's normal to see on YouTube or on mm -hmm. a, a channel like Sesame Street or something you're giving them access to and what's weird. When do they need to talk to you about something they saw that just felt weird or looked odd to them? They might not be able to name what mm. was wrong with it, but they could tell you there was something that didn't seem right. Or they, they if they're reading, they see a comment that doesn't um, doesn't fit in with what else is going on. Uh, now is the time to start those conversations to build trust around. You're not going to freak out if they tell you something that they saw online so that you can be a resource later when there's right. bigger issues. Right. Yeah. I think that is a really good thing. I mean, I, re I remember my kids were a lot older when one of them um, ended up um, on a chat thing that they shouldn't have been on. Mm -hmm. um, and it was like, and, and our kids, we did have them. They were all downstairs where we could see it was all in open areas, like you suggested. Um, but you know, you're, not, you're still, you know, you're not monitoring every minute, you know, I'm cooking in the kitchen and everything else, but they weren't deliberately trying to do anything they shouldn't do. And they just in innocence, fortunately kind of said, oh, you know, that they were, I don't know, we're like, no, that's not a good idea. But it was the same thing. You know, if we'd like really like punish them or something like that, then it shuts down that communication and then they do everything behind the scenes. Whereas to say like, okay, this is why you shouldn't have been on there. This is why, because they were, they were still too young to be, be dealing with sort of discussions and things. It was like, this is why you don't need to be doing this. You know, it's better when you're older and cetera. And talking it through is so much better than, you know, just sort of shutting it down so that you keep that communication open. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Completely agree. Yes, keep that communication open. You need to be a resource later. So yeah. they've got to be able to talk to you. So then moving on to grade school, eight, eight years old plus, eight to about 10, uh, talk to them about how devices are a privilege and that they fit into your family, but they're not the first thing. If there's a person in the room, you're going to give your eyes up and you're going to look at the person and, and see if they want to interact. You know, just common what we think of older people what we think of as common sense they need to be taught mm. uh, so the other thing you can do at at uh, at this age is start to find a community that ag ag agrees with how you're parenting so this slow tech idea um, there's a, a Facebook group called wait until eighth where the parents are committed I think there's more than a hundred thousand on there the parents are committed to waiting until eighth grade to give their child a smartphone. 
so there are uh, online communities like this. It's also great to set up a community at your child's school or homeschool environment that uh, you can create your own norms around what's appropriate for this group of kids. The more kids you have in this group, the easier it is to say, oh, you know, we don't do Snapchat until 13, 14, 15, mm. whatever your group has decided. It's so much easier to parent when the community agrees. Mm. Uh, so think about that. And then at eight and nine, I it's time to start monitoring with an app what your child is doing, what they're seeing when they're in trouble. And my favorite app to do this is called Bark, B-A-R-K, like a dog barking. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I like about it is it only sends parents alerts when there's inappropriate content, when there's a comment that uh, looks like it's cyberbullying, or there's a picture mm -hmm. with what looks like blood in it. So uh, I get alerts as a parent that says, you might want to check into this. I have a couple of resources and I can choose uh, whether or not it's something that I want to address or just wait and see what happens. Um, so it's time as soon as they uh, have more devices and school starts using devices, it's time to start monitoring everything and checking in on what's happening for their mental health and their physical health. Um as they move forward into 10, 11, 12, even nine, some parents, uh, for whatever reason, kids need phones. I want to suggest they don't need smartphones until mm -hmm. they're older. Uh, there are lots of options coming up that are fantastic first phones that don't have all of the bells and whistles and social media mm -hmm. uh, access that causes a lot of problems for young kids. Uh, so there's flip phones. There's a phone called Gab Wireless. Right. There's a Bark phone that's about to come out later this year. And there's Pinwheel, to name a few that I really like where they're headed. I like their philosophies. Uh, these are all solid phones as first phones. If your child needs to get a hold of you or you need to know where they are at different mm -hmm. times, these are great first phones. So consider a dumb phone if they need a phone. Uh, continue to check in with the filtering, make sure that's working on all their devices. Uh, there's a free app called Bark-O-Matic that will, uh, you input all of the devices that are on your uh, network at home, on your router at home, and it will tell you what the parental controls are for the Xbox and the smart TVs and the things we don't necessarily think about as having internet access that do, that we need to lock down mm -hmm. as well. Right. So many things to think about. It's very helpful just to lay it all out here so that, you know, parents can easily just go and check out your, your list and see if we're getting it all right. Right. So now, which age are we at now? We're sitting at teens, right? Now we're sitting at so, teens. Yeah. And I want to acknowledge that lots of fifth and sixth graders want social media accounts. Their friends have them. It feels like a normal, natural thing to do. Here's what you need to know. Social media companies don't let kids under 13 on their social media platforms. They are not supposed to. Uh, right now, there's no age verification. I believe that's going to change. Uh, the content is not appropriate for young kids. We know that for sure. Uh, so when they're 13, 
you can start to look at the different social media accounts that they want. You can have conversations about what do you want to do on there? Is it messaging? Is it looking at photos? Is it following celebrities? What do you want to do on there? And just get curious about what they want. What are their Mm -hmm. friends using? Uh, Start to research what parental controls the social media accounts have and decide on one. You don't need to say yes to all of them. And you don't need to say yes forever. If something goes wrong, you may uh, stop and you may start and stop mm-hmm. a social media account if it just isn't working out. You can try again in a couple of weeks or a couple of months. But really, it's a progression of responsibility and privilege uh, and making sure that they're able to handle what comes with the social media. Uh, there's a lot of pressure to respond immediately. Uh, there's notifications on. So how are they getting homework done? Are they able to really mm-hmm. focus and put their phones away for a bit to do what's most important? Can they even prioritize what is most important? Because what I think is most important sometimes is different than right. what my child thinks. So having those conversations of uh, this is still a privilege and this is not the first thing you do. It's what you do after your responsibilities are are done. Right. And what about parents um, following their kids on social media? Definitely follow your kids on social media. Set up your accounts. The three main ones, they all have parental controls, but you need to have your own account. So to say, yeah, my kid's off there on, on TikTok, but you don't have an account, you can't use the parental controls that they do have set up unless you have your account. So you definitely want to set up your account. You can even have your child help you. It's kind of fun for them mm-hmm. to guide you through the process and help you create your profile name and, and get your algorithm going on the types of things that you like and follow your child. Check in with them online, see what's going on. I recommend not commenting. <laughs> Don't be that person that comments because then it's a little embarrassing for your child, especially if you you make note that you're the mom and you're following them. That that's not good for their street cred. No, no, <laughs> no, not at all. But yeah, so there's and you know that way they can have these social media and you can still make sure they're safe and you they basically have training wheels, you know. So, as I, I mean, I still see some parents who choose not to let the kids on social media until um, they leave home. Well, obviously, after they leave home, they kind of do what they want, and you know, then they suddenly let loose on all these sites that you know to them it's going to be like you know promised land out there. <laughs> And you kind of like, they don't know how to behave and what to do. Whereas, you know, if you've been watching them and helping them know what's appropriate and not appropriate, you've trained them because just even, you know, learning how to, how to talk online to each other, because you, we don't I mean like you and I right now, although you guys are listening to us, we are actually doing this on Zoom and looking at each other because although I don't publish the video, I want to see when I have a guest, I want to see them. I want to be talking to them, listening to them. And like Lisa's nodding right now, you know, so it's those things where when you're typing something on social media, you know, to each other, responding and commenting, there is none of that. And so sometimes your child might think they're being funny and it's actually hurtful. Um, you know, and and it's to, you know, just to help them to realize to be more cautious when you're online, you can't take away what you've put out there. And, you know, things sometimes don't sound quite the way you meant it to sound. That's a good reminder of some conversations to have. The other conversation to have is uh, related to trust again. And it's there's nothing that you could do that would make me love you less. 
And right. kids need to hear that again and again and again, because every family has a story of digital crisis or something that mm-hmm. happened uh, that it, everybody wish wishes hadn't happened. Uh, but if they know that they're going to be loved, mm-hmm. children will tend to come to you. Teens will tend to come to you with with problems big and small. Uh, if they know that you're not going to freak out, they'll come. Right. Well, Lisa, thank you so much. This was extremely helpful. And um, I'm so glad you could make the time to come and share with us again. I remind you again that you you can find her at centerforonlinesafety.com. And where can they find you on social media? We're on Facebook at Center for Online Safety, Instagram, same thing. Uh, And uh, when you go to the website, there's a big pink button in the corner that says free stuff. That's where you can find what we're talking about today, the guidelines for for screen time and uh, digital milestones. Okay. So I I would strongly suggest you go and um, check out Lisa's website because there are so many resources there and and follow her on all these platforms so that uh, she can help you navigate this difficult time and make it a very positive experience parenting your children with technology. (laughs) So thank you so much again for coming in, Lisa. I really appreciate you giving your time to us. So good to chat with you, Meryl. And I will see everybody else again, same time, same place next week. Join us on Facebook in our Facebook group, the Homeschooling with Technology podcast community. And uh, remember to follow us and share this episode with friends. I think this is a particularly useful episode. And so um, would appreciate it if you did tell others who you think might find it useful too. See you again next week. Thanks for tuning in to Homeschooling with Technology with Meryl Vandermerva. Visit her at fundafundaacademy.com and homeschoolingwithtechnology.com. Homeschooling with Technology is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.